Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is The Unrealized Importance of Prayer. As I start this message, I know a lot of you are probably thinking, oh, another show about prayer. How boring. I don't need this. I hope you realize it's the devil telling you that because this show on prayer has new things that you haven't heard before. And trust me, you do need it. We all do. Norwegian theologian Ole Halsby gives a good definition of prayer. To pray is nothing more involved than to let Jesus into our needs. To pray is to give Jesus permission to employ his power in the alleviation of our distress. You know, I seldom read anything anymore but the Word of God. There is so little time left. I I just feel I need to be in the Word. And I teach, so I need to be in the Word. How will I have any revelation to bring you if I'm not in the Word? But recently, I've been studying some of the old revivals because my church is going into revival. And I had started reading a Kindle book at night from uh, the Frank Bartleman collection. And I forgot the exact name of the book, but Frank Bartleman was a revivalist preacher in the time of the Azusa Street Revival that started in 1906 in the Los Angeles area, and he writes as an eyewitness to that revival. I was very surprised to read that the entire Azusa Street Revival was birthed through prayer. And this started me thinking, we are surely underestimating the importance and the power of our prayers. And I mentioned it to a friend who said she had also heard that Rama Bible College was birthed through prayer. I was not able to verify that, but it might be true. So if prayer can birth a revival that we are still talking about over a hundred years later, what else can it do? And what do you need prayer to do for you? And why do we not use our ability to pray more if it can achieve so much? John 15, 7 and 8 says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. One of the ways we bear fruit for the Lord is through prayer. We help pray the lost into his kingdom. Just like my mom and my sister And probably some other people interceded for me until I surrendered my heart and my life to the Lord. And then the people we pray in go on to bear more fruit and glorify Him even more. In this way, we also redeem the time. You know, Satan is afraid of our prayers. Really afraid. So he sends distractions whenever he knows we usually pray. I had missed a day saying my decree or my confession prayers. Um, And then one morning when I began to get distracted again, I suddenly became very aware of the weapons that were coming against my prayer time. 
And I encourage you to become very aware and make a list of all the weapons being sent against your prayer time. This will help you understand just how powerful your prayers really are. So I want to tell you the weapons that I noticed that were coming against mine. This one day I was studying, I made this list as I went. And mine were phone calls and text, one after another after another. Y'all ever had your phone be so quiet for hours and hours that you checked it to make sure it wasn't broke? And then the minute you sit down to read the word or pray, it starts blowing up like Satan throwing a hissy fit? Yeah, that's what happened. I used to get a lot of phone calls and stuff early in the morning. And then I realized that if I answer a text or I take a call, I immediately get off track. And the reason is because anytime we take a call or we read a text, our mind starts thinking about that, not about him. And the Lord showed me to mute my phone until my prayer time and my time in the word with him is done. And it works. The second thing that was distracting me was my dogs. My dogs come to me wanting attention or food or their walk. And, you know, that's what dogs do because you take care of them. So I set the walk for a certain time and we stick to that and that works and we do everything at a certain time. The third thing was tiredness and yawning. This is a common one that a lot of people write to me about and it, you know, that gets worse off and on and I work pretty much all the time I'm awake. So what I did was I changed to where I was keeping a more regular sleep schedule. And that works. You're not as tired. Also drink very strong coffee when it starts happening. And worst case scenario, if you're being attacked in that way, bind up the spirit of, of slumber or sleepiness in the name of Jesus and cast it into the abyss. The fourth thing was my to-do list, especially if I'm behind. I have a tendency to hit the ground running and take off on my get-her-done wagon. And this is a lot of the reason I set the first and earliest part of my day for prayer, because that works. Once I start working, I usually don't slow down until very late, very, very late in most cases. The fifth thing that was coming against my prayer time were thoughts about the times we live in. You would think this would motivate, not procrastinate, but we can get all hung up thinking about what's coming and when and will we be here and are we ready and, and on and on. And we cannot do one thing about that, y'all. We cannot change what is coming other than pray and learn the word of God. Because when they outlawed the Bible, what you have in your heart is all you're going to have. We are where we are. He chose us for this time. We got to leave those other details to the Lord. You keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I personally don't like to waste time on anything I cannot affect. I am all about results. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. It works. So how serious is missing our prayer times? Well, let's talk about what happens when we don't pray. Number one, when I don't pray, demonic assignments are not canceled. Because one of the things I do in my prayers is I cancel those assignments coming against me that day. When I don't pray, the blood of Jesus is not appropriated for protection over me or the people that I love that I pray for. And his mercies are new every day, so I figure my prayers need to be too. When I don't pray, I will be more anxious because I won't have God's peace. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. When I don't pray, I am not strengthening my connection to God. Now, this is very important. Our relationship with God is kind of like a marriage. How long do you think your marriage would last if you didn't talk to your spouse every day? Because I can tell you any marriage that I ever knew of or was in would not have lasted very long. When I don't pray, I am not opening the door for the Lord to speak to me about important matters. You know, a lot of people have written to me over the last 10 years saying they cannot hear God speak. The Lord showed me in a vision that busyness is the reason most people do not hear him because they have so many other things placed or prioritized before him. And all of those things build a wall. All of those activities are like walls between you and the Lord. You have to choose to put him first. If he is a priority in your life, then treat him like a priority in your life. If I do not make time for him, I am showing him I don't care what he has to say to me. Okay? If you want to hear what somebody has to say, you make time for them. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray for long periods of time, I may, may not see nearly as much of God's favor at work in my life. When I don't pray, I open myself up wider for deception because I am not staying familiar on a day-by-day basis with the true king of kings, I will be far more likely to fall for a clever counterfeit when the enemy sends one, which will happen in this generation, because the word says it will. When I don't pray, I don't receive the blessing the Lord brings each day that I do pray. And that is something he let me know, that every day I don't pray, I lose a blessing. We don't want to lose any blessings. We need all the blessings. When I don't pray, I am not laying up treasures in heaven by praying for lost souls all over the world. This is extremely important for two reasons. Number one, the Lord is all about souls. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And number two, he told me that if we will pray for the loss we don't know, he will save the loss we do know, the people we're praying for. Your prayers are seeds. When I don't pray, I don't pray my decrees and my confessions, which affect my health, safety, and provision, and which also cover my loved ones in protection, so they may go without covering. That's important, y'all, because some people may not have anyone else praying for them. When I don't pray, I won't have my armor on. And those are the days that you feel like life is beating the daylights out of you. And Satan loves that, by the way. Because he's landing hit after hit after hit on you. You know, we do pray when we want something, don't we? I've prayed for many things and received them a lot more quickly than others. Some things I'm still praying and believing for and some people too. By the way, this may be a two-part series and it probably will be because I actually wrote this to preach at my church, uh, which uh, when I preach at the church, it's an hour, so... I don't want to make the podcast so long that y'all get bored. Okay, so do y'all remember in Daniel chapter 10, when he was praying and the angel said, and the angel came and he said, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou did set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard and I am come for thy words. 
And then he talked about the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood him and all that. I was thinking about the problem of prayer prayerlessness. And when we become too busy, and I wondered, would the angel have kept coming if Daniel had lost faith after a few days and just stopped praying? Like maybe he prayed for a day or two and he said, well, this is not working, so I'm just going to stop. How many blessings do we cheat ourselves out of by losing faith and stopping our prayers? A lack of prayer shows a lack of faith, because if we truly believe God will answer our prayers, we pray. How much would you pray if you knew every prayer you prayed would be answered? I can tell you, you would be praying 24-7 for a while until everything was answered, wouldn't you? You know, a lot of people say you should only pray a prayer once, but I disagree. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed the same prayer twice. I'm going to prove it to you. Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And then in Matthew 26, 42, it says, He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. He's praying basically the same prayer in both of those. I would like to not have to do this, but if I have to do this, may it be your will. Same thing. Jesus was not afraid to keep praying for an answer, and we shouldn't be either. When God says he's going to bring something, he will do it. He is faithful. God wants you to have life and have it more abundantly and for your joy to be full. John sixteen twenty four. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. So he's saying, ask. Don't be afraid to ask. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Don't let the enemy steal your prayer time or your prayers. My friend Dela ends her prayers like this. And I love this. We seal this prayer with your blood and we call it done. And I thought, what a good idea to seal your prayers with the blood of Jesus, because then they're covered and they're protected. So when I don't pray, I may not receive from God because I'm not asking for anything or I don't keep asking. The word says we have not because we ask not. God cannot answer a prayer you don't pray. I've heard it said that faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is released when you speak words out of your mouth. We pray when we believe our prayers will be heard. In other words, when we have faith, God hears our request. So when we pray, our faith is released for God to work on our behalf. Our faith is our currency. Currency is something you use to get something else you want. God is sovereign and he can do whatever he wants to do, but the rules are the same for everybody with him. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. When we pray, our faith is released so God can answer our prayer. So when I don't pray, my faith is not released for God to intervene in my situation. When I don't pray, I may be tempted more often, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I always add, and from the evil one when I pray this, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
That is part of what is known as the Lord's Prayer or the template for prayer Jesus gave the disciples when they said, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples in Luke chapter 11. And while we're in Luke, let's look at verses 9 and 10 in that same chapter. Verse 9, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 10, for everyone that asks receives and he that seeks finds, and I'm paraphrasing the King James, and to him that knocks, it shall be opened. In these verses, he's saying, if you will ask, you will receive. If you seek an answer, you'll get an answer. Keep coming back to me and knocking with your prayers. Knock again and again and again, and I'll answer you. When I don't pray, God's work may not go forth as fully as it could. Luke 10, verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So clearly we need to pray each day and believe God to answer, because he will. But what happens when our prayers don't seem to be answered? What's up with that? You know, I learned many years ago when I went through one wilderness season after another after another, that sometimes the Lord won't answer our prayers or won't answer right away because we are in a season of refining or of learning. And I will tell you right now, I hated refining. I needed it clearly, but I hated it. Oh, I love being refined, said nobody ever. Nobody likes refining. It's not fun. Everybody hates seasons of refining. They're miserable seasons of being stripped of all your comforts and then having pressure applied from every side so intense you feel like you'll snap in two. I'm not even kidding you. One thing after another after another goes wrong and you cry out to the Lord and he won't make it stop and you don't understand why. You know, like, don't he care? Yeah, that's why he's doing it. Because he cares too much to leave us the way he found us. Praise Jesus. And I would not give you a dime for another wilderness season, but I would not take a hundred million dollars for what I learned in all the ones I've been through. Because in the desert seasons of your life is where you develop rock hard faith that will get you through all the other seasons. So I had a really hard week, one of the weeks I was working on this message. That Wednesday, I had a new vet to visit for my dogs to get their medications and it ended up being over $200. But I knew that was coming weeks before, so I already knew how I was going to pay for it. Then the next day, I woke up sick again after I thought I was getting better from the previous week and weekend. And I had no idea what was making me sick. And I'd been sick off and on. I'd missed church the previous Sunday, and I usually never miss. And then the Friday, two days after that Wednesday, I get up to go and make my coffee, and I'm thinking about, you know, what I'm going to work on that day, and my dog Bambi has come down with pancreatitis, and I have to go back to the vet, which is, yeah, a little drive, but praise God, they do their own lab work there, so that helps, and that was another 200 plus dollars, and that time I did not know it was coming, so anyway, but I was thankfully not ill that day. Because we were over there for two and a half hours, and I was pretty worthless by the time I got home. Because I was so worried about her, and I was so, you know, worn out by the waiting and the drive back and forth. And when you get older, it don't take a whole lot to wear you out. The next day, I woke up sick again, and by then, I'm getting frustrated. I'm trying to fight off so many attacks of the enemy at one time. And I'm like, Lord, you know, I, I'm praying all these decrees every day. Why 
did that illness get through and why did Bambi's pancreatitis and, and the financial cost of all that, how did that get through all the prayers and the decrees I'm praying? Because it didn't make any sense to me. And I said, I know you rebuke the devourer for my sake because I'm a tither and a giver. So what gives? And, you know, let's face it, y'all, it's discouraging when you pray and pray and pray and then you get hit with big attacks like that. And I know the promise of the tithe. And people can say, that's Old Testament, blah, blah, blah. And don't you talk that unbelief to me because all of God's word is alive with his spirit. Psalm 91 is Old Testament too, the protection prayer. Psalm 23 is Old Testament. The Ten Commandments are Old Testament. It's all his word. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament. So clearly he did not consider it irrelevant. And how dare you declare any part of God's word irrelevant? If you go around saying that kind of nonsense, you best be prepared to explain to the living God at judgment why you threw out half his word like it was yesterday's newspaper. It is estimated Jesus quoted from the Old Testament 78 times. He quoted the Pentateuch alone 26 times, and he referred to the Old Testament as the scriptures, the word of God and the wisdom of God. The Old Testament predicted an estimated 350 events that were fulfilled by the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the New Testament. And the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. They need to be studied together if you really want to understand the Word of God. One is not complete without the other. It takes a lot of pride to think you can judge the Word of God and say part of it doesn't count. But we would just pray the Lord helps you with that. So the next day, the day after the... <laughs> $225 vet visit. I wake up sick again and I had canceled all the attacks and the assignments and I was praying my heart out and I am just not understanding at this point. And then I, and I feel horrible on top of that. So a day or two later, I'm trying to figure out, you know, why did my prayers not prevent so many hits from the enemy? And I was up in the wee hours. It's real common for me to get up at three or four o'clock in the morning. In fact, I got up at four o'clock to record this because it's quiet the dogs don't need anything. My phone's not ringing and I'm not getting texted so I can get more done. So I'm reciting Psalm 91 over my children and my grandchildren. And in the spirit, I saw the word of God padding my walls, the walls of my house against the outside world. And I saw the peace his word had brought into my house and the protection from so much more that is out there than what hit me. And I realized some things cannot be prevented by prayer, like the course of nature. Let me give you an example. I have two grown children, a son and a daughter. They are both extremely intelligent. My son has a Mensa level IQ. Mensa is a, an association of really smart people out of Colorado. They're kind of like a think tank, I think. And you have to have an IQ of 130 or higher to get into Mensa. But my son also has a lot of wisdom. He's not just smart knowledge-wise. He applies it to his life, and he walks in it. He has always studied science and medicine, you know, that sort of thing. He knows heart disease and diabetes are two of the biggest, you know, mortality factors. And he didn't want any of that, and he's always cautioning me about those too. So what if he were to say he did not want diabetes, but he loves to eat sweets, and so he eats them all the time? Prayer cannot prevent you getting diabetes if everything that you are doing of your own free will is letting it in because nature runs its course. I have an extremely pretty teenage granddaughter. I pray for her every day. Let's say that she starts making wrong choices and she gets into fornication. My prayers will not prevent her from getting pregnant of her own free will. 
nature will run its course. Even God himself will not override your free will, nor theirs. But here's the good news. Let's say that I have a loved one who is depressed. Let's say that they have shown suicidal tendencies in the past. Can my prayers protect them? No. Why? Because my prayers cannot override their free will. However, if I know how to pray, I can affect their situational circumstances if that is an issue, and I can affect the negative influences causing them to think that death is the only way out. So knowing how to pray and what to pray makes all the difference in a situation. We are in the end of the end times. America is under God's mighty hand of judgment, and that is not a good thing. America has turned and cursed the living God that made her what she once was, the most blessed and powerful nation in the world. We're not that anymore, by the way. Now we're just a laughing stock because we have turned and spit in his face, kicked his word out of schools, courthouses, and our lives, and pridefully said, we don't need you. And God's answer is, as always, found in his word. Hebrews 10, 30, and 31. For we know him that hath said, vengeance belongs unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, I can pray against God's judgment falling on America until the cows come home, but it will not avert it. It will not stop it. It will not lessen it because God himself has ordained judgment on this nation. And that's why it is so important to be right with him and to stay that way. I cannot avert his judgment on this nation. I can, however, pray for mercy for myself and those I love, and you can too. One of the biggest keys to answered prayer is knowing how to pray. We have not because we ask not or we ask amiss. I had thought if I prayed against illness, if I prayed for protection over my little dogs, that we would be safe from sickness and financial loss and all that. And we are still okay, but I did fall ill. It's the winter season when things go around and in the natural we get exposed to those things. My immunity sometimes runs lower because of stress from this or that and and because I tend to overwork. And my little dog did fall ill with pancreatitis, and even the vet did not know why. That's her second time to have that. So now I add a new thing to my prayers. Lord, please help me to strengthen our bodies against illness so we don't have to run back and forth to doctors and veterinarians. Help me to make wise choices so I don't suffer financial loss. He can answer that prayer by showing me how to strengthen our immunity against illness. So you see how that works? So before I read you the story, I want to remind y'all about something that I wrote about in the Healing Companion, because after I suffered this illness, which went on, by the way, for a month of Sundays, I missed four Sundays in church uh, because of this, and I'm never sick that long, and it just kept coming back and hitting me with wave after wave, and then the Lord reminded me what he taught me a long time ago. When a sickness first comes at you, that is when you fight it. You don't just accept it and go, oh, well, you know. And here recently, I have had symptoms of something that, if I were to receive it, could be something that is deadly. But the Lord reminded me of what he had taught me a long time ago, and I came against it. And I said, no, you're trespassing, Satan. You're not going to put that on me. In Jesus' name, I rebuke it. I crush it under my feet, and I cast it into the abyss. So if you are getting symptoms of an illness, fight it right now. And this is especially important to remember as more plagues will be released. 
They are not all in the natural. There are at least some that are man-made. There is at least one that they know the cure for. Okay, we already know this ahead of time. So as these come out, don't be afraid of them. But if you get symptoms, you rebuke it right then. You don't wait and go, oh, well, you know, I guess I got it. No, you didn't get it. Satan's trying to put it on you. And if you receive it, if you get into agreement with it, then you get it. There is a spiritual law that anytime you get into agreement with anything the enemy is trying to put on you, then you're receiving it. You're opening the door to it. If somebody knocks on my door, if I open the door, I'm agreeing that I'm going to see them, talk to them, or let them into my house, okay? If you get into agreement with something the devil wants to put on you, then he gets to put that on you. That gives him the legal right to put that illness or symptom or whatever on you. Okay, so y'all remember that this is really important because there's a time coming in the future when we will not have access to doctors or medicines or healing of any other kind except the kind the Lord can bring. And the best approach to sickness is always going to be prevention. Don't let it get on you in the first place. I'm so grateful the Lord reminded me of that. If y'all want to read more of it, I know I wrote about it in the Healing Companion book. I'm going to read y'all a story. This is a really good story. And I got this off of SermonCentral.com. It's called The Weight of a Prayer. And then I'm going to close this episode. We're going to, this is going to be a two-episode series. The Weight of a Prayer. Louise Redden, a poorly dressed lady with a look of defeat on her face, walked into a grocery store. She approached the owner of the store in a most humble manner and asked if he would let her charge a few groceries. Back in the old days, grocery stores, little grocery stores in small towns had charge accounts. She softly explained that her husband was very ill and unable to work. They had seven children and they needed food. John Longhouse, the grocer, scoffed at her and requested she leave his store. Visualizing the family needs, she said, please, sir, I will bring you the money just as soon as I can. John told her he could not give her credit as she did not have a charge account at his store. Standing beside the counter was a customer who overheard the conversation between the two. The customer walked forward and told the grocer that he would stand good for whatever she needed for her family. And the grocer said in a very reluctant voice, Do you have a grocery list? Louise replied, Yes, sir. Okay, he said, Put your grocery list in the scales and whatever your grocery list weighs, I will give you that amount in groceries. Louise hesitated for a moment with a bowed head. Then she reached into her purse and took out a piece of paper and scribbled something on it. She then laid the piece of paper on the scale carefully with her head still bowed. The eyes of the grocer and the customer showed amazement when the scales went down and stayed down. The grocer staring at the scales turned slowly to the customer and said begrudgingly, I can't believe it. The customer smiled and the grocer started putting the groceries on the other side of the scales. The scale did not balance, so he continued to put more and more groceries on them until the scales would hold no more. The grocer stood there in utter disgust. Finally, he grabbed the piece of paper from the scales and looked at it with even greater amazement. It was not a grocery list. It was a prayer which said, Dear Lord, you know my needs, and I am leaving this in your hands. The grocer gave her the groceries that he had gathered and placed on the scales and stood in stunned silence. Louise thanked him and left the store. The customer handed a $50 bill to John as he said, That was worth every penny. It was some time later that John Longhouse discovered the scales were broken. Therefore, only God knows how much a prayer weighs. I love that story. That's so good. 
Okay, that's all I have for y'all this week. Part two of this will be next week. Don't miss it. It's got some good stuff in it for you. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. What is in store for the once great and mighty nation of America in these end times? What is the living God saying to the people of America now? What could possibly be in store for a nation that once trusted in God, but has changed its path from following in the living God's ways to now removing Him from everything and walking the other way? In the book, No Longer Mind, you will find all the messages to America collected in one place in chronological order. No Longer Mine, Messages to an Unrepentant Nation is now available in print at wingsofprophecy.com in the bookstore tab. Get your copy of No Longer Mine today. Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com.